wow you have like this the coolest name ever it's like it's like a donut <laughs> <laughs> well yeah it's like a donut I was thinking like superhero like I just I just love it's like a I don't know for me it just sounds like a superhero name like I'll yeah. take it <laughs> yeah, no. um but yeah thank you for coming on the podcast um there's a lot we have to talk about so I'll let you start by introducing yourself um and then just talking about what you do and then we'll jump in. Okay, awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for having me. This is super exciting. I mean, I love supporting a local San Diego, you know, people as well. So this is really great to have that connection and that community. So Absolutely. I'm really grateful um, for that. So yeah, my name's Tiffany and um, I'm a mom of two little girls, Aurora, she's almost five and Everest, she's three. Um, I have a wonderful partner here in San Diego. His name's Robert, and um, I'm a nature-based life coach, mindset coach, whatever you want to call it, wellness coach. Um, and basically, I, you know, I started my company, Grounded by Nature, um, this past year, and I just love getting women specifically like out in nature anytime I can to like disconnect from the outside world and like reconnect with themselves. I think too, especially as, I mean, I know men are like this too, but busy moms, we're always feeling like we have to do so much all the time. It's like our kids constantly, it's work constantly, the go, go, go. So it's nice to just like shut it off and like get outside and to me do the work, you know, in a space where it just feels like you're allowed to just like be in that space. Um, it took a long journey to get to this point. Um, but I finally was able to merge my passion of teaching with my love of nature and I, able to start my company and, and just start, you know, doing the work, getting women out on hikes. And I'm hosting my first retreat, actually nature retreat this weekend. Um, and that's super excited. Yeah, that's, it's a really like exciting thing. Um, so I'm really excited and, you know, working with women one-on-one -on -one coaching, um, to try to, you know, help them live the best life that they possibly can and just get them on that road to, you know, living the, the life they desire. Sure, sure. And I love that your, your business model is focused on women, because I feel like it's not something that we see very often. And even in some cases, like women are kind of put on a back burner. So I love that you're bringing a lot of focus to, um, to women's empowerment and making a difference um through your business so I definitely commend you on that yeah thank you yeah and you mentioned back burner and a lot of the time we put ourselves on that back burner mm. right or with the societal expectations of you know we should be putting everybody you know at the top of the list and we should be at the bottom because that's what moms and women should be doing right so like I I like to demystify the word should right because who's telling us we should and shouldn't be doing something right you know, that's usually a pressure that society or our parents or history or religion has like put upon us so i like to like demystify that break that down and and kind of say like we should do whatever the heck we want to do right. and taking care of ourselves is important so that we can take care of others you know be our best us so that we can provide that pathway for our children for the future our community Sure, sure. And oh, I love, it's going to be a good podcast. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you, I really like what you just said, because, and it even goes back to 
what we we're talking about earlier before the podcast started, which is fear, right? Um, and how fear like holds so many people back. And the biggest trick, in my opinion, is a lot of times when fear is holding us back, the issue is we don't realize it's fear, right? right. So it's like, how do you battle or fight or get rid of something that you don't know is there that you can't see, right? You have to be aware of it first. Um, so like yeah, that's I, something I definitely teach everyone, like first step of like, the fulfillment is awareness, right? If you aren't aware, if you don't know what you don't know, you don't know it, right? So it is, it's totally the awareness of something. And I think that's a lot of the time with coaches and with things like that is we're able to like stop and ask you those kinds of questions. Like, right. hey, what's going on? Let's provide that like space, whatever, right. to be able to analyze where are you what's going on and give yourself that like alignment check of you know what's going on in your life what's working what's not working you know to be able to see oh is that fear that I'm sitting in front of or not absolutely yeah yeah you're right about that um so let's get into your story yeah uh you're born in California which I know because I because you told me a couple minutes ago <laughs> 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 um, yeah. so you were born in California um, how was it like growing up for you when you were a kid how were your parents like um, you know did you have do you have siblings you know can you kind of share some of that yeah sure I am um, that's I come from a very like blended mixed plethora of family. Um, I was raised by a single mom. My parents got divorced when I was five and my sister was three, actually right around the time my children are right now. So I'm actually, a lot of things have been coming up lately as my children are turning the same age as my parents when they got their first divorce, but, um, they're divorced and my mom primarily raised us. And my mom was really very hardworking. Both my parents were hardworking, but I really, Tiffany, I just want to say, so if you see me looking down, it's because I'm writing down some things you're saying that are really important that I want to touch on. So I just want to just let you know as you're talking. Sure. Yeah, no problem. So um, yeah. So, you know, obviously growing up, I don't know the nuances of, of things, but I know that now looking back as an adult, looking back into my childhood, the way that I'm raising my children has a, a completely different perspective based upon how I grew up. So my mom, you know, raised two little girls, worked full time, um, you know, did majority of the caretaking for our family. Um, and she did the best she could, you know, we got to see our dad's dad on every other weekend. Um, and I think that had a big part, a role in, you know, how I grew up. I mean, I have a younger sibling, she's two years younger than me. And we have, you know, an up and down roller coaster, you know, relationship. Um, because we're sisters. I also have stepsisters and stepbrothers and half brothers and half sisters. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of us out there. My parents have been yes. remarried and divorced and everything on the in-between. Um, but I feel like a lot of who I am definitely comes from my mom. Um, and of course, a lot of things from my dad too. But I think that, that, watching my mom raise two children now being a mom myself, I can't even imagine mm -hmm. doing what she did, you know, for, with my two children. Yeah. 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 It's not, it's definitely not easy. Um, you said something earlier, obviously about the divorce. I feel like what I've been noticing is a lot of times 
when two people get divorced or in the process of being divorced, um, especially when the, the, the foundation of the relationship is gone, it becomes um, a little bitter, right? And the two people in a lot of the cases forget the impact that the situation has on their children right it becomes more about man i just I, why is he doing this i hate him so much i just want this to be over why is she doing this i hate her so much i just want this to be over and what who ends up losing is their is their children so i i guess my question to you is how did that affect you i'm not saying that's that's what your parents did i'm definitely right 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 because it's definitely not what yeah, happened yeah yeah yeah, but I'm saying in, in a lot of cases that does. So for, I'm asking this question because there there might be people listening to this that are going through a divorce, yeah, or considering going through a divorce, and um, I want them to like kind of gain some type of insight on how that situation affected you, so they know this is how it could be possibly affecting my children. So that's why I'm asking this question. So how looking back, how did it kind of affect you? Um, in that time when it was happening and also as a young adult as you were growing up you know what what I really admire about my mom is that she never ever talked bad about my dad no matter what happened between them I had no idea like their their relationship and the things that they did were you know, like they were on the up and up in front of us. And I really appreciated that. So like, if anybody is going through those things, it was the, the best thing possible is that no matter what was happening with my mom and my dad, my mom never said anything bad. My dad never said anything bad. You know, it was just, that was their relationship. We had our relationship with the individual parents. And so That's beautiful. I mean, that was, that was really beautiful. And it was always my mom's things like, you'll you'll build that relationship with your father however you decide to I don't want to be that influence of how you should feel about your other parent and I I really truly appreciate that because the relationship I was able to form with my mom and with my dad was solely the relationship that I chose that's, and not influenced sure. by anybody else no that's amazing because that's how it should be right but it's so easy to fall into the trap of weaponizing your children against each other right which is understandable especially if you really feel like you're the victim you know you know your your former husband or your soon-to-be ex-husband or ex-wife is doing all these things to you and you want your kids to know right yeah um so it's hard to resist that urge but the only person that loses in that situation is your children right um so let me create a scenario for you because i really this is especially because what i think they came up with a study saying that um one of the highest divorce rates in a long time happened during the pandemic or is happening during the pandemic. So I feel like this topic is very relevant. Yeah. Um, if as a coach, if one of your clients came to you and said, hey, I'm going through a divorce, it's a really nasty divorce. I really want my kids to know about it, but I haven't shared anything with them yet, but I really want to. How would you navigate that situation? And what simple advice would you give to somebody in that situation? Um, you know, I think it's totally situational on, you know, what, why the divorce is happening, sure. how old the kids are, you know, where they are in their educational career life and the intent behind wanting to share the information. 
I think I would share with my client and try to get to the root of, you know, what, what is the intent or purpose you want to share with, you know, with your children, you know, if it, if it's just information or knowledge, or if it's ill-willed or, you know, where, where is the intent coming from? And we probably do, you know, some journaling sessions. I, I really highly believe in you have all the answers within you. And as a coach, you know, we just guide and, you know, provide information on them discovering what, what it is. And so probably some deep questions on, you know, like, why, why do you want to share? What is behind the sharing? Um, and, and maybe open it up to that before we, you know, go any further. Sure. Sure. I love that you use the word intent. That is so important. That is so important because that is true. What is your intent? What, what are you trying to get out of sharing this information? Do you just want your kids to be angry at the other person? Um, what is, what, what, what are you trying to do here? So I really right. love to use the word intent. Yeah, I think that intention, I mean, and that's something that I like stand behind 100%. And that's something that I share with my clients is setting intentions, everything we do, everything we say, having that intent, going into the day, knowing how you want to show up, you know, what's your intent with that conversation, you know, that deep why, the why are we doing something, who do we want to show up as, and you know, how do how we how is that intention going to move us forward? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you for sharing it. That's amazing. Um, so let's move on to young Tiffany. So now you're, <laughs> you're, a, you're a teenager. Where's your mindset at this point? Did you have an idea uh, of what you wanted in life when you were a teenager in high school? Um, what was kind of your, your life like at this, at, this, at this point in time? Yeah, teenager Tiffany was the same as elementary school Tiffany. She was a go-getter, man. She was like student of the month every month, top of the class, teacher's pet. I just, (laughs) I love school. I'm still, I still consider myself a lifelong learner. Like I love, I love learning. And I just knew that I was going to be a teacher at some point. Um, You know, in middle school, I think it was the same for, you know, a lot of people just trying to fit in, right? Having friends, you know, I I did get really good grades and I wanted to be involved and things like that. But it was a lot of the, you know, the social pressures, I think, started, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh grade Mm. of wanting to fit in, wanting to be cool. Um, And so I know that right around in those ages is kind of where the sense of belonging really wanted to happen. Um, you know, but I was really into, um, just hanging out with friends at that age, you know, until I got into high school and high school, I started working at an early age. Cause I was just like, if I want something, I'm going to go get it. You know, I've had that work ethic since I was, I was able to get a job when I was 15. Wow. Um, so, you know, when I was 15, I got a job at the ice cream shop so I could, you know, pay money, pay my gas money, get my car insurance, start doing all that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, like I said, I've always been like that go-getter, got to get it done, good grades, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, it's kind of a detriment too, because I think that that kind of molded my not having as much fun as I could have when I was a kid. Like there's that the grass is greener on the other side. Like I was always working, always doing that because I wanted to keep achieving and keep achieving. But I feel like I missed out a lot of like childhood, Mm. just having fun mentality because I don't think I ever really stopped that. Mm. It was constantly 
job, job, have to figure it out. What's next? What's next? Go to college, get that next job. Like constantly climbing that ladder and then forgetting about like having fun. Sure, sure. No, <laughs> right? no that's, it's, I really identify what, what you just said because my life was the same way, you know, just exponentially becoming an adult at such a rapid or such an early age. Yeah. You said you even got a job earlier than I did. My first job was at 16. So I can't even, it's already hard for me to imagine what it feels like to work at 16. Even if I did it, I can't even imagine what it would feel like at 15. Yeah. Um, but yeah, identify with what you just said, because when you're so independent, um, whether it's forced or, you know, you do it on, under your own will, um, it takes a lot of your childhood away because at a young age, you're forced to kind of think as an adult, you know? Yeah. So um, I can definitely see where you're, where you're coming from when you, when you mentioned that, that you had to kind of grow up real quick and it kind of took away some of your childhood. But I do have to say a fun fact because I was just sure. talking to you. Um, I actually just went to my own personal development retreat. It was a seven day retreat okay. nice. in the woods, which was super exciting, but we had a yeah. buddy and she's 18. And she was telling me that she got her first job when she was, you know, 18 and how excited she was and that she's making $17 an hour. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, so do you remember, I guess how much I made when I was 15? I told her she guessed like $6 an hour. I was like, no, I started at $4 and 10 cents, like an hour, like just a perspective of like right. how the times have changed, like $4 an hour, who would even wake up for $4 an no, hour? Like, no. It's crazy. <laughs> it, it's a, it's, it's interesting to think about, like you said, how much things have changed Yeah. over time. Right. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine somebody working right now and getting paid $4 an hour? I mean, they get sued. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, in America, for sure, sued. right? Um, but yeah, wow, that's that's so interesting. Yeah, um, but I mean, that's what it started at all, right? It was that work ethic of like, you know, got to pay the bills, got to take care of myself. And it was that independence. And like, I think that comes from my mom being a single mom and me wanting to just, you know, be on my own, take care of things and not have to depend on my parents sure, know, so sure. much. And so that's when it started, you know, it was just get a job, get good grades, go to college, you know, just do that stepladder that we were talking about. Um, and then even when I got to college, I worked full time hmm. while going to college. I mean, there was never, there was never a break just to, wow. to be, as I like to yeah. say, like just to be, it was, you know, a lot of, a lot of work, a lot of study, a lot of that. And then when it was playtime, it was playtime. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it, I love that you just touched on that when you said you didn't really have a lot of time just to be, because I do feel like that's one of the biggest travesties in our society as a collective, which is this construct we've built for ourselves that doesn't really leave any room for self-growth or development. You know, when you really think about the path that we've human beings have constructed right it's just you go to school you go to work you know and you work forever and you have kids and that's it right when you really think about what we're taught in school there's no class that teaches okay well at this point in your life you should consider thinking about what your purpose is and what yeah. your value is and what you really want to do right there's no part that says okay so at this point in your life you want to make sure you take a few weeks or a few months off and make sure you try to find yourself if you already you know, if you already don't know who you are, right, there's just, 
there's no room for anything when it comes to like true growth, true spirituality, finding who you are, becoming a better person. There's no room for that. And that's, that's actually why I love what I do now is because nature provides that space. And I always say like nature allows us to just be. Sure. And like, so yeah, it took, you know, 25 more years to figure that out. Like just get into nature to just be and have that space to like figure that out. Like what is my purpose? Why am I here? What's what, you know, why am I on this planet and what can yeah. I, you know, do for others? So, you know, it, we all get there at some point. It's just nice to be able to like know that if anyone is looking to do it now and is ready for a resource, just like go outside in San Diego, especially it's super easy to I just know. get outside and just sit under a tree and just be without anything in your ears, be without anything and just like be, be allow yourself yeah. to just be, you know, I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, so now moving forward between high school and college let's just say when you when you're getting into college what did you think you wanted did you already have a strong idea of what you wanted in life as far as a career path or your purpose um and if not where where was your head at at this point in college yeah in college like I said I always knew exactly what I wanted I came to visit San Diego with a friend um because I was from Ventura County which is about three hours north so came to visit San Diego and I fell in love. Like I was, there was no way that I was not coming to college in San Diego and any of the schools, I didn't care what I got into or was coming. And I knew that I was going to be a teacher. Like I've always wanted to be a teacher. There's it's, that has been the path. Like I'm going to be a teacher. Hmm. And then there was some thoughts of being a businesswoman, so businesswoman and a teacher but I didn't want to wear a business suit. And that's what I thought you had to do, like dress all fancy, right. you know? So I knew it was always going to be a teacher, but when I got into to college, there was um, a lot of work. I, I worked a lot. I had a lot of jobs. Um, when I had fun, I had fun. Um, we definitely went down to Tijuana um, a lot when it was easy and okay to do that. Um, and then I studied my butt off to eventually become a teacher. I studied economics, which people were like, oh, teacher economics, how does that work? But I fell in love with economics and I just, I love a spreadsheet. I love a graph. I love all of that makes sense. Um, I think I fell in love with, there's no such thing as a free lunch, that quote. Yeah. And it's like stuck with me, you know, forever and opportunity costs, like, and I, and I love that because now in my coaching, you know, career, everything is an opportunity cost, right? So mm -hmm. able to apply the concept of, you know, is this over that, what you're giving up, you know, if you choose this or you choose that is really cool. Um, so I wanted to become a high school economics teacher. And during that time, I looked like I was still in high school. And so I decided, you know, maybe I should go with the elementary school route for now yeah. until I like aged, <laughs> aged a little bit. Um, and so I decided, you know, after a while to um, end up going into elementary um, school teaching, but that wasn't for until maybe two years after I graduated with my um, undergrad at UCSD. Um, so I took two years to just work and maybe just have a little bit of fun finally in that time. That's nice. Um, and, and but can yeah. I ask you a quick question because yeah. I think it's something a lot of people should be doing, you know, taking time off to really just relax. If it's finding yourself, if it's whatever it is, 
So how did you think to even do that, to take time off for yourself? Um, well, what inspired I, you? Yeah, I think because I knew that I was wanted, I knew the career path that I wanted to be on and I knew what needed to, to be at that point. Got it. And I just knew that I wasn't ready to be in school again. Like, I just feel like I, I needed that time because I'd always been on that path of like work and school that I just oh. wanted some time to just not be in school, um, for a little while and just right. give myself a break to just, you know, hang out with friends and to just try a career, try a different career in that, in that meantime. And, you know, just kind of have that space to not have so much going on in my life. Um, I'm very goal oriented. So I knew, and I set a goal by the time I'm 25, I was going to go back. And that's when I enrolled in my master's. Actually, my wow. master's program started on my, like the week of my 25th birthday. Wow. So like, I knew it was there. I'm not one to like stop. And if I take a break, I'm not one to not go back. Like I knew what I wanted and that's what I was going to do. Nice. Nice. And then when, when she got your master's, yeah. Uh, what was your plan to, to do? Yeah. So I got my master's in elementary education. Um, and then the plan was to get an elementary school teaching job. Um, and then that was 2008 and that was, um, a recession that hit in 2008 and, um, there was no teaching jobs whatsoever. I was substitute teaching, but everyone who was even teaching was getting that pink slip. I was, picketing at the courthouse with other teachers like trying to like get jobs for teachers and like keep that going and um I you know still trying to find a job any way I could but then after talking to one of the teachers in the lunchroom um she's like have you ever thought of teaching abroad literally never crossed my mind because I was always work school, work school, work right. school. I never allowed myself to even think that like in college, I didn't study abroad. Um, and I, I just didn't do much traveling. Like that just wasn't in my train of thought when, when she said that, like literally Michael, it changed my life. Hmm. That one comment of why don't you teach abroad opened up a world, literally the world to me that I never even saw wow. even, even knew it was there out there um and I said yeah <laughs> let's do it <laughs> so that's that's so cool and I, it's scary um because there are a lot of people in that situation right now who um who even actually know or it's like in their mind already they know they want to be a teacher they want to teach over abroad or they want they know they want to do this or they want to know they want to do that but for whatever reason they're apprehensive if it's let's say they want to move to a different city right you're scared because they don't know anybody there or they feel like their family isn't there or their loved ones aren't there um, if it's moving to a different country if it's teaching following your path following your purpose um, so what have you found that's worked for you in kind of um still moving forward in the face of fear because you just mentioned how that person made that suggestion to you and it just you know was there were so many things that came out as a result of that suggestion right that happened in your life so what can kind of what can people to do 
what can people do um, to kind of live more in alignment with with their path, kind of like you did in that in, at that time? Yeah, well, on that note of like, I knew that teaching was what I wanted, but it never had to, it didn't have to be, I guess, packaged with a bow. Like this is the way it should be, yeah. right? That That's that societal expectation that I talked about before we talked about like the should, right? You, you know, if you get, you should be a teacher at a public school or you should, you know, do this. So when that, when she said like, you should try, have you ever thought about it? You know, it was like mind blowing. And for me, like, yeah, fear, like moving to a different country, like, what are you thinking? You're not going to know anyone. You're not going to know the language, you know, what are you, what are you really going to do? But for me, it just took me preparation. And I think that anyone who has a fear or wants to do something, but is fearful or isn't sure, like, you know, take the time to process it, you know, and, and, and figure out the tools you need to be able to be okay with it. You know, for me, it wasn't as hard. I just needed the time. Like I need, I know for myself, time helps me process. So mm. with anything, it was just mental preparation of like, Hey, I'm going to move to a different country. What does that look like? How am I going to do that? And so for me, it was researching, you know, a, another school. How do I get my you know, teaching as a foreign language certificate, you know, and so doing the research, what that looks like. And so once I was able to do that research, I found out that they help place you in a different country, you know, so it was just taking the first step, right? So it's like, give yourself space to process it, find the resources that you need, do some research, and then, you know, allowing somebody else to help and coach you to that guide you to that mm -hmm. place, you know, so I didn't just pick up my bag, move to a foreign country and try to get a job like that. <laughs> that's not who I who I was, you know, maybe right. I might try that now, because I've had life go on. But like back then, it was more of, you know, find a school, go through the, the course, do what I needed to. And then they helped place you. They helped find the country, the school, you know, everything kind of lined up. And so once I had decided about how long I needed to, you know, make that transition and before I was going to go, you know, I was just able to just do the planning, the preparation to make that trip. Now I didn't plan enough and I planned too much at the same yeah. time. <laughs> I ended up taking way too much stuff with me, had to pay way too much baggage fees. And when I got to Korea, it was a whole nother story. Yeah. But then I didn't exchange any money um, to, to foreign currency. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was prepared so much that I didn't prepare enough. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So how, how did you, I'm assuming within a couple of days, you kind of were able to get that taken care of, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. I was, but the bus ride, I mean, it's crazy because like, okay, so the school that hired me, um, sent somebody to pick me up at the, the airport. Um, but there's no, they don't speak any English. I didn't know any Korean. It was just like a sign and it was just kind of like rushing. Like I had no idea where I was going. This was the first time, honestly, that I had to just let go of control. And this is a topic that I work a lot with other women is releasing control and just trusting the process. Um, and so truly like going with the flow and trusting that this was all going to work out. Um, I yeah. literally had one equivalent to a dollar in my wallet. My brother's friend had given me one wand, which is like a dollar. And I had it in my wallet and it was the one I needed to buy a drink. Wow. That one drink made it. <laughs> it was a five hour bus ride. 
after I got transported for the airport down to um, where I lived in Daegu and they, the teachers at the school picked me up in another bus. I didn't know where I was living. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what the school looked like. I had nothing. And it was oh. just kind of like trust. Right, right. And sometimes you just have to allow that trust to, to guide you. Surrender, and yeah. Not have control over every step of your life. Because I think that's a lot of things people are fearful. They over control. Yeah. Um, and so releasing that control to allow life to just happen for you it was an amazing thing right no i love i really like you just said they over control because i think that's one of the main issues with uh, the main issues we have um and the issue in my opinion is the illusion of control right so we never had control to begin with but uh -huh. to assume that you have control that's when it causes a lot of discomfort in our lives right trying to control a relationship right knowing that this isn't working right but still trying your best to control it and make it work right um there's so many other examples in life that we try to control versus just surrendering yeah you know that's the peace isn't is in the surrender yeah like, that is the gotcha. surrender for sure that's a and for those people who aren't sure when i first heard the word surrender i was like what are you talking about like what is that and when you and i had time to process it it is it's just like allow allowing life to just work for you and just letting the process work and knowing and trusting that everything is going to work out for you in the right way absolutely to. absolutely i think it takes a definitely a good amount of self-development to get to that point Not an easy <laughs> yeah. <to hold. laughs> no <laughs> when I mentioned that word surrender to um, a lawyer friend of mine, he's like, uh-uh, I'm not surrendering to anything, you know, no white flags here. And, you know, I said, of course, coming from you, I said, but you know what? There's different meanings and different ways that you can, you can take different words. And I'm on the other side of what that word means. Mm -hmm. And, you know, by the end of our conversation, he was just in a different mindset of going, okay, you know what? I think that that's what I need to do is let go a little bit, right? In my personal life, because I have so much control in that like law mm -hmm. life that I that I live in, surrendering yeah. to, you know, allowing the other parts of his life to process. Sure, sure. Yeah, that it goes a long way. It definitely goes a long way. Yeah. Um so now moving uh to any country is definitely not easy. Talk to us of South Korea when we talk about the cultural differences and and the different types of food. It's just, the list goes on different, obviously different language, can be any different from English. Um, so how is that experience like for you? Because I know a lot of Americans don't have the opportunity to travel because life and they're busy with their families, they have kids, whatever the issue is. Um, so how was that experience like for you being in Korea, um, in a new world, right? It's, it's in a different country that speaks a different language that you've never spoken before. Uh, how would you say that experience was like for you and how it added to your life as a person and to who you are now? Yeah, I think I was so fortunate that the school that I got to teach at and the head teacher um, and the English teacher that was prior to me. So the way it works in you know Korea is most private academies have a foreign teacher so that your pronunciation is accurate, right? Okay. Um, and so 
the the teacher that that was there prior to me, we overlapped for a week, right? So I could do some observing and, you know, he would move out of his place and I would move into that place. And the master teacher at school were so amazing that maybe for others, it might be challenging, but in a place like South Korea, where having foreign teachers is, is a common thing, there was a huge community of foreigners in that community also so yes it was being in a new country I didn't know the language I didn't know you know there was new foods new a lot of the language I didn't understand a lot of navigating you know traveling and doing those things Um, but I did have a great support system of other foreign teachers you know expats in that community and that's probably what kept ended up keeping me there you know for an extended period of time too because it was just a great community um but building the relationships and learning from my head teacher, she was Korean and she was just able to teach me and show me um, so many things um, and experience, you know, everything like Koreans. I did end up learning some of the language nice. um, and ended up living there four years total. I didn't teach um, English for four years, but um, it was an, an incredible time in my life to be able to um be in a different country, experience the different cultures, the different languages, the way that um, the family dynamics were formed, the different holidays that were celebrated, um, just all the different, you know, cultural experiences, the way that their grocery stores worked and the farmer's markets. And, you know, just it's very, a very um, neat thing to be able to experience. And then being there allowed me also to travel more of the world. So I was able in that period of time, that four years that I was there to travel more of Southeast Asia, get to Europe um, and do a lot of the traveling that I had never done in my college you know, life. So it opened doors that had never yeah. even imagined wow. um, again in my life, all from that one teacher that we were talking about, like, Amazing. you know, if she didn't say that this the whole world I don't know if I would have experienced any of that in my life sure sure. oh that's that's amazing and uh so I have a lot of friends that love traveling right uh some that actually want to live overseas and so I have a question for you which is what advice would you give to someone that's looking to to move overseas or live overseas for a certain amount of time Um, and even for any young men or women that hear this podcast that are interested in eventually teaching abroad. Um, can you give some advice um, with just one or two things that you learned along the way that can help other people that end up doing something similar in the future? Yeah, I think that the biggest piece of advice would probably be if you are thinking about moving to another you know, country is having some kind of connection there already, whether it's through an embassy or a school or some a placement agency that you have some kind of connection, I think that that was important. Or a f- finding somebody who already lives there. And there are so many communities on Facebook and different things that you can now like find people in an area where you could connect with. And actually, that happened to me when I went there. I don't even know how that connection happened, but I was able to meet someone through Facebook who lived in that area, who showed me around. And just having that one person that was a foreigner have that connection was really amazing. So, you know, finding someone to connect with when when you're already there, to have that one person or, you know, have experienced it before being able to like support you on that journey 
um, was really amazing. And then just do it. Like, don't, don't not do it because you're worried about what do I live? What do I do? I don't speak the language. I don't know any of that. Like, just go, just go do it. And you'll all figure, you'll, you'll figure it out. And that's the amazing part about life is just like, just doing it and not being held back by any kind of fear, you know, what ifs that you don't know um, that's out there. Yeah, no, it's true. And it, it reminds me because when I really think about it, I don't think I've ever met someone that regretted doing something that they were fearful of. But I have met a lot of people that regret not doing something they were fearful of. Totally. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, like, so to, to add to what you just said, I think that's really important. Just do it. It's, it sounds so cheesy and cliche, but it's so true. You know, you just have to just do it. And then you never know what other opportunities are going to be open to you afterwards. You know, like I was saying, I taught English for a year teaching English wasn't my passion, being an elementary school teacher was. And just by being in Korea, I found out that there was a military base 15 minutes down the way that it was hiring teachers for the next school year. And that opportunity was open to me because I lived in Korea and ended up getting hired to teach American children on base. Like that was my dream job. Like this opportunity that I didn't get in America because of the recession was provided to me in a foreign country of all places. Like who can say that? They got their dream job. They've always wanted, but in a different country. Yeah. And that yeah. was so cool because I allowed myself to have that opportunity, right? Sure, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then how did coming back feel for you? I'm sure, um, well, to, first question, when you were out there, did you visit at all? Uh, did you come back to the States to visit at all? Yes. Okay, you did. Okay. Yeah, I visited um, when I wasn't traveling to other countries. I did a couple summers back here to visit friends and various things. And actually, that's what ended up bringing me back because it was like two summers back to San Diego um, to visit friends. And one day at Mission Bay and everybody who's been to Mission Bay kind of knows it was like that sun on a sunny, hot day. And I just like said there, I'm like, okay, I'm coming back. This is it. I'm coming back here. Um, so that was a big, big reason of coming back. But um, I think to your note, you're saying, how was it when I eventually came back? Yeah, I was back? just curious because the reason I'm, I asked that is because I've been to about 15 countries or so. And one thing I can say for sure is America is just so different, not in a bad or good way, but it's just so different from every other place. It's palpable, right? Yeah. So I'm assuming that when you came back to the States, um, there was... I'm not sure if adjustment is the right word because you are American. There's really nothing to adjust to, but I'm sure you definitely noticed like, okay, I'm not in South Korea anymore. I'm back in America. So yeah. how was that process like for you? Like getting reintegrated into being an American. And you say that integrated and adjustment. And that's exactly what happened. I, I call it reverse culture shock hmm. because I had lived overseas for four years and traveled overseas and like you said when you travel you get to see all the different cultures and you kind of have a new standard of life right and I, I love came, that standard new standard of life yep yeah it was and it totally was and I when I moved back I had culture shock because I all of a sudden came back here to these big box stores again like I remember walking into Michael's into the craft store and like literally kind of having a freak out moment of like why is it so big? Why is there so many things? Why are there so many lights on? It was so wasteful. It just, it felt, it, yeah. it, it took a long time 
to readjust and to the people and to like everything. It was an adjustment period. Um, and I think it was just a matter of like time to readjust to the new, the, the lifestyle again. Um, I didn't, and actually I did work with a life coach to move back here. Um, because that was a big transition for me. And that's actually one of the things that sparked me into starting my own business was working with this coach. Um, so anybody who is making a big transition like that, that's a great time of your life to seek that support because it is hard moving from one country to another and going and, you know, trying something new. But I think having the support of that coach actually really helps because there was days Michael, that I had like freak out days of like, why am I here? Did I make that right decision? Like, I can't believe I did yeah. this. I was able to reach out to my coach and she was able to like help coach through those feelings and emotions and like, you know, just calm me down and, you know, help me realize that those were the right steps for me and all the things yeah. that I needed to do. And I think without that support, it would have been, I would have done it, but not as easily as sure. a transition. And as yeah. we were talking before, you know, um, before the podcast is that I moved back to Korea because teaching four walls was no longer the path that I wanted. Teaching yeah. is my purpose. Well, you, you just said you moved back. You mean you moved away, you moved out of Korea. Is that what you meant to say? Yeah. From Korea back to San Diego. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So when I moved here, you know, I came in the pursuit of teaching, but in the way that I defined the teaching mm. for me, like what was the best style for me for and you. how could I integrate nature and teaching together? And that's why I ultimately left Korea was to start a family and to find that teaching path that was more in alignment with my true self, but to let go of control again, like I left a safe and secure, amazing job on the military base with no job, no car, no place to stay. Wow. Nothing lined up because I just trusted that things were going to work. And I had a good coach. I'm not going to lie. Like yeah. she helped support that. Um, but everything just worked out. Eventually I got jobs. Eventually I got a car. Eventually I got my own place. And it was just like that time to allow myself to get to that point of, you know, re acclimating and figuring things out and allowing opportunities to open for me. Sure. Um, was, was pretty that. cool. I feel like one of the main things, the main themes in your experience was um, opportunities. And um, it's interesting how sometimes we um, close the door of our opportunities because of fear. We don't, not realizing that on the other side of that fear is a wealth of opportunities, right? Um, and I think that's one of the biggest lessons that at least for me that I take away from your story is just walking into the darkness. That sounds a little dramatic because <laughs> sure, like for you, one of Korea wasn't walking to the darkness, but I'm just using it as a euphemism for not being fearful. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's very, that's a very, very powerful theme in your story. Yeah. I think that opportunity is right. And then for me, I think releasing control. Because the control yeah. has always been something that I've always had issues with, right? Controlling the steps, knowing, knowing everything. And then finally allowing things to just happen, right? Allowing the process to unfold without having to control every single aspect. Because yes, then opportunities 
opened because I didn't have to put myself in that box or I didn't have to do it a certain way and have everything figured out along the way. And so I think that like opportunity control and then trust in myself, I think those are like constant lifelong lessons that I'm continuing. Yeah. The universe is constantly like throwing in my face of like yeah. trusting and just allowing yourself to like go with the process. Um, sure. Yeah. No, that's, that's true. Actually. I read a book, Many Lives, Many Masters, and it talks about how, it's an amazing book, by the way, for anybody that's listening, even for you, Tiffany, I'd recommend that you check I it out. I write it down. What is it again? Called Many Lives, Many Masters. And it's actually a short book. I think it's like one or two hours long. I don't think it's up to two hours, but it's an amazing book. It really taught me a lot. And it talks about how everybody here on this planet, it's here to learn lessons in order for them to grow and develop, right? And until they learn those lessons, whatever keeps happening in their lives is gonna keep happening. And I'm, I'm obviously paraphrasing. And when I read that book, I sat down and thought about it. And I was like, that is so true. And I looked at my life as a whole. Yeah. And saw one of the major themes at that point in my life was attachment. Ah. And I had a crazy aha moment because up until that point, themes in my life surrounding or dealing with attachment just kept coming up. And I felt like I wasn't learning from them. So I'll use like relationships as an example. Um, let's say I was with someone that I really liked and cared about. I would do my best to make sure the relationship works out, which is what anybody should do, right? Um, but what I was going to realize is you need to surrender. And I had to adopt the mentality of, you know, if this is going to work, it's going to work. If it's not, it's going to work. There's nothing I can do to change that. All I can do is do my part. All the other person can do is do her part. And what's going to happen is going to happen versus trying really hard to just attach your future to the relationship or attach what your idea of, you know, what your future is to the relationship. Um, but I just said all that to say that I really love that point you made um, about lessons and how those three rotating uh, rotating themes you feel like keep appearing in your life. And uh, it's very true because that book talks about that. And if we all look at our lives, I think we're all going to notice like themes, like you said, that just keep reappearing, reappearing these lessons that keep reappearing. And I think that's a good point to anybody who is listening and can do that. We talked a lot about awareness, right? And taking that space to look at those lessons, right? So for, for some people that something might be happening over and over and over and over and over again, it's time to like step back a minute and actually like assess the situation. Why is that story continuing over and over and over again? What's happening? What, what is going on in that part of my life that this keeps reoccurring? And if I don't like it, what can I do to change it? But if you don't know, you haven't learned that lesson and you haven't actually like stopped and figured out what the heck is happening or even know that some there is an issue it's gonna keep continuing yeah. to happen and even once you learn it like come on I know that I need to trust myself but it's a battle every single day like we have to do the work every single day to 
trust for me, let go of control, sure. trust, allow the universe to happen, right? This is something that is a constant thing. And it's not a magic overnight. Like once you're like, oh, ha, right. <laughs> have this problem. It doesn't like snap your fingers. Go and away. Done, right. Like we <laughs> constantly work on it every single day. Yeah, wouldn't that be cool if we could just say, hey, problem, go away, and it just goes away. <laughs> oh, the genie, the, the genie in the magic bottle, like, poof, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> make that go away, right? Oh, that's funny. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, it's everything you said, I agree with. It's so true. It's so true. Um, so now, so let's switch to being back in the U.S. now. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your business and promote your business. So what was the inspiration? This is a two-part question for you. What was the inspiration to become a coach, right? From a teacher, which in a way you're a coach is a teacher, yeah, right? Exactly. Um, but what was your inspiration <laughs> to, to switch from um, teaching and, you know, um, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just teaching in a form, in, in a sense of being a teacher, right? Right. Just being an actual coach, a spiritual coach. One, what was your inspiration for the transition? And number two, what was your inspiration for focusing on women's, um, our women's plight in yeah. society? So as I mentioned before, teaching is my passion. It's my purpose. I knew that. And it's always been teaching the way that feels good to me and sharing knowledge. So teaching to me is sharing knowledge, right? And learning from others. Like it's a, it, it goes both ways. And so I think that in the traditional sense, teaching in a classroom is always what I thought I wanted to do, like that traditional teaching mentality. But when I finally realized that that traditional teaching mentality in the four walls didn't fit my values, um, I had to go on a, I guess my, like a journey, a soul journey of figuring out what does that look like? It took seven years, to be honest with you, to get to the point where I am today I tried a lot of things. I tried nature and teaching in so many different avenues with children, with adults. How does that look? How am I going to build this? So it wasn't an overnight where it's like, oh my God, I'm going to be a coach. Like I've always just felt that teachers are coaches. Like you mentioned before, because I, a teacher doesn't necessarily like, shouldn't be the one spewing the information, like lecture style. Like here's the right. information, here's the information. It's guiding it's providing the questions for you to be able to do the learning yourself. Cause that's truly where I think the learning happens is when you make the discoveries. So I think it's all about a teacher just providing the tools and maybe the context for providing you that opportunity to learn what you need to. Obviously there's going to be lessons and you know different um, content that coaches provide and share. Um, but making the transition to an actual like life coach meant, you know, a wellness coach wasn't too difficult because that's how I, I viewed teaching anyways, because mm. I was coaching my students. I was helping mentor them. I call myself a mentor too, right? It's like, you know, I've been there. I've done that. Here's some tools that worked for me. Let's see what works for you and going back and forth and, you know, providing new information and the tools to be able to, to apply it, right? That application is key. So for me, it's always been, what's the audience? You know, I've struggled with, is the audience children? Like, no, I've always realized after that, I, I prefer working with adults. Sure. And making the transition to women, 
I am a woman and I can relate. So becoming a life coach for women is very natural to me because, you know, the things in my life that have worked for me, especially mom, and that's actually the, the deeper connection that I'm able to provide is coaching for moms. I can, I work with women in general, empty nesters, women who've never had children, you know, women in general, because I'm a woman, I can relate so easily, but moms, like that's where it hits too. It's like, you know, I'm a mom of two small children and the tools that work for me, I'm able to coach and provide and help other moms to, you know, spend some time on themselves and really reflect mm -hmm. on what they want. Cause we go to the back burner, like to tie it back to the beginning where we talked about so many of us go on that back burner. Um, so because I worked with a coach seven years ago, I knew some of the tools and strategies I'd been doing goal setting and planning with friends ever since then we done did 10 year plans. We did month planning. I started doing hikes with my friends and doing goal check-ins. Like that's mm. kind of where it all started, you know, like how can I build this into nature? And, you know, fortunately for the pandemic, you know, I didn't think this was the trajectory I was going to go on. I thought I was going to get another safety, safe and secure job. I got another opportunity with the military, the Department of Defense. I was about to go that route. And then the values of like freedom kicked in. And I was like, I need to be my own boss. I need to do the business that's right for me. And coaching just seems so natural. And merging coaching with nature and getting women into nature just felt so right and so aligned. And like, I light up just talking about it because I think that that's, something that's really going to just help the world in general when we can get women out into nature to, to take care of themselves so that we can help inspire more in the world and be there. I for agree. More people. I agree. I really love your, the way you use your words and how you get your point across because you mentioned something earlier, which I wrote down. Um, and you were, when you were talking about teaching, and being a teacher, right? And how, you know, stereotypically we define teaching as like an authority figure of someone that tells you um, facts, right? And the way you worded it was perfect, which I loved, which is as a teacher, you're not really meant, the best way to teach is in the form of being a guide. And I really, really like that because when you talk about spiritual guides, right? In that sense, you can say they're teachers, but when you think about it, they're not there to um, tell you what to do or tell you this is right and that's wrong. They're just there to guide you. And I really love that you kind of embraced um, that part of yourself and realizing that I can be a teacher, but my true calling is to be a, a guide and a coach, which also even ties back into teaching. So I really love how you kind of talk about that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I really do. Um, and being that you focus on women, uh, we're moving into a new year. Tomorrow is December. A lot of people are going to be looking for growth um, in different point, different ways, right? It could be spiritual growth. It could be growth in their relationship. It could be individual growth, self-development. What advice would you give to um, women out there that are listening to this that would do want to make themselves better coming into the new year? Um, if one of them approached you and said, Tiffany, I want to be a better person. It's 2022. I've had a hard time this year and the last year. What advice would you give to me to um, work towards being a better person 
um, what advice would you give? Okay, well, I'm gonna have to say that the word better, I don't love, right? Okay. Because- and, and you, I was just gonna say, can you explain why? Yeah, yeah, yes, because I think that we get stuck in this like right, wrong, no, yes, mm -hmm. good, bad mentality, right? And when we use the word quote unquote better, <laughs> that means our life prior to that wasn't so good, right? So I think recognizing even the vocabulary that we're using, you know, and, and, and acknowledging that like, hey, there's nothing wrong with the life that you had to this point, right? Be grateful, show the gratitude that you've had that brought you to this place. Now, what transformation, what change do you want to bring on, right? Um, and improving yourself, you know, um, I guess that that growth again, right? Sure. So I think that the, the biggest advice that I tend to give women immediately is we don't have to start for January 1st. It doesn't have to start on the first of any month. It just has to start when you're ready to be committed to yourself and the journey that you want to be on. So number one, commit that you want to change or transform, make that transition into a new 2.0 version, 3.0, whatever level version you're on, right? Because we're constantly making that transition to that next level. Make a commitment that you're ready for it. And when you made the commitment, what is the feeling? What's the identity? What's that feeling that you want to feel as that next version of yourself? And I, I use the feeling as like the guiding word, that North Star word of what the next year or the next month wants to feel like, right? And so deciding on those feelings. So I've had people tell me that they want to feel more tranquil or they want to feel inspired. Just coming up with that one word actually helps you move momentum more than having a goal. Like, oh, I want to lose weight. Well, why? Because I want to feel healthy. Okay. So then let's work on being a healthy person. And what does that look like when you have that feeling of healthy? You know, what does that feel like in your body? Do you feel lighter? Do you feel more energized? So those are the things that I like, I'd like to focus on is giving someone that knowledge of like commit, commit to the, to the transition transformation. What's that feeling? What do you look like? And then just take one step at a time, just start it, right? Um, and, and create the space to constantly assess and make that time. Because you can say it, but then if you don't give yourself the time to do the journaling or go on a walk or, you know, make those changes that you're wanting, then it's just not going to happen. Well, I agree 100%. Great answer. Thank you. <laughs> and to add to what you just said, I would say gratitude, which you kind of touched on as well. It goes such a long way i always tell people no matter what you're going through there's somebody out there going through 10 times worse and it's hard to believe but it is true no matter what you're going through there's somebody out there going through 10 times worse yeah um, you know if you just lost your brother your sister your parents or your mom or your dad there's somebody out there that just lost your entire family in an accident somewhere in this world somebody just lost their entire family right so it's i think it's always no matter what we're going through no matter how hard difficult it is I think it goes a long way just being grateful in that moment um, for what we do have um, for the future. It's just, it's just so much to be grateful for. Um, so yeah. to your point, gratitude goes a really long way. Yeah, that's actually the first step that when, you know, when women come to me and they want to start a journaling practice or I want to encourage that because that's something that I like really 
hone in on is making that space for journaling. And oh, I, I don't have the time or space or energy. I, I always start with gratitude. I said, you know, if anything, you can spend two minutes a morning. That's how you can start a practice. It's just right. Gratitude, the things you're grateful for and why. And that really helps, you know, lift the spirits, the positivity, the vibration that we're operating in. And, you know, and then the next step is like, giving that great gratitude outwards. And mm. as Thanksgiving just passed last week, you know, I was working with some women on, you know, we can write our gratitude in our journals. We can say what we're grateful for, but how can we show our gratitude moving forward, right? Mm. And so that's another layer of, of gratitude is actually now sharing with the world yeah. so we can help uplift everybody else out there that might need your your gratitude, your smile, you know, that, that outreach that someone was lacking that, that needed. So there's yeah. so much in, so much into starting with gratitude for sure. Oh yeah. That's beautiful. Well said, well said. Um, so I have three more questions for you. Yeah. And the first is your retreat. Cause I'm really excited about um, you doing that retreat. So what can women listening to this podcast expect to get from your retreat now i'm assuming for people that hear this they don't live in san diego then they can attend i'm assuming the retreat is in san diego correct this retreat is in san diego so um for those local listeners who are able to make it that's awesome it's on sunday the the fifth it's up in the laguna mountains nice. um it's a full day and it's it's called celebrate and clarity um and we're going to do some reflection on 2021 um, we're going to do some planning and clarity and looking into 2022. What do we want? What does that look like? What does it feel like? Um, there's already 10 wonderful women registered. So it's going to be a great opportunity for hiking in nature, doing these reflections. And I'm just going to guide you on a journey through celebrating and then seeking some clarity. What does that feel like going into 2022 and just providing that space in nature, like we talked sure. about to just be. Um, I'm also, also a naturalist. So I like to teach, you know, women a little bit about the plants and animals, you know, in the environment that we're at. And, um, you know, I'm going to be hosting retreats, um, maybe not monthly, but bi-monthly. So if you're not able to attend this one in San Diego in December, there's definitely going to be one in January. And I'm planning on doing some online um, Zoom, you know, it's not as great, but we're still going to be able to do that for, you know, women who can't come into San Diego or come into San Diego. Why not? We've got yeah, know, right? year round. I mean, like come <laughs> fly in, you know, come take a drive in to come to one of these retreats. Um, and it's starting as just a one day, but I'm going to have multiple day retreats throughout, um, 2022. So expect at least, um, a three day one in fall. And it's just going to be doing that, providing that space with women to have discussion, to really look deep into our lives of how we operate, looking at our programs that have been stopping us from doing what we're doing, um, what stories have we been telling ourselves about what's going on, and just really diving deep into our desires and how do we get those desires and what does that look like? Sure. Um, and I'm super excited about it. I mean, I love nature. I love being in nature. It's going to be beautiful um, up in the mountains. Um, I'm providing like a carpool caravan kind of style right. and, um, yeah, I'm just really excited about this retreat. No, it sounds amazing. And, and to just add to what you just said, uh, for women that might be interested or thinking about it, I think it's even an opportunity to just meet like-minded people. Um, I think that on the, on the self-development slash, you know, 
spiritual path, it's easy to feel alone sometimes, right? So I think you're giving women opportunities to just meet other people, but just by default and meet other like-minded people, people they can potentially be lifelong friends with. So I think that's another um, huge reason to, to attend. Yeah, community is something big that I'm yeah. into building and I'll be starting a Facebook community nice. um, for women soon to be able to have that, right? That space yeah. For, yeah. for women to come to, to have, to know that there's other people out there that are, have similar, you know, struggles sure. um, and help uplift one another. It goes a long way. It definitely does. Yeah. Um, the second to last question I have for you is what is your vision for the future? regarding your your business where would you like to take it um what are your um plans um your your, your big level plans for your business yeah um big level plans is to continue providing a space in nature for women um maybe eventually men at some point couples down the line but right now just really providing that space in nature to really dive deep and the hope is to inspire one person at a time to be able to think more outward. And once you figure it out what you want to be able to spread the positivity and joy and inspiration to others. Um, and so conducting several retreats and moving them all over, you know, um, the country and the world, you know, at some point and just getting women together to be able to do the work together sure. um and then providing you know mastermind one-on-one -on -one coaching for support because you know a lot of the time people may go to a retreat or you know go to a conference a lot of this time this happens you get so pumped up you're like i'm at this conference i learned so much i met so many people these facilitators are awesome and then a week later two weeks later you lose momentum you lose steam yeah. you lose your notes and you've lost it all right so the whole point is to be able to create that community post retreat post hiking post you know, doing the work where you can continue the support together and continue doing the work. So it's not gone, right? We've done the awareness, we've done the assessment. Now it's like the continued support. And so sure. that's the coaching or the group coaching or the mastermind, you know, that I would be able to provide and guide women on that continuous journey um, of growth, essentially. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And then the last question I had for you was how can people find you? Yes, I love that. Yay, find me. Um, so for local San Diego women, if you are wanting to just not go on the retreat, but do hikes, I do monthly hikes as well, local to San Diego. Um, and all of that information can be found on my Instagram or my webpage. And my Instagram is Tiffany, T-I-F-F-A-N-I-E, is grounded by nature. So Tiffany is grounded by nature. And then my website is groundedbynatureco.com. Um, and those are the best places to find me. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on all those other places, but I think, uh, Instagram and my website are the best places. To okay. Answer. Perfect. Well, Tiffany, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed this. I'd love to do more with you in the future. So you're definitely, um, you have an open invitation. Sweet. Um, so <laughs> thank you for stopping by. And uh, it was a pleasure chatting with you. You know what? Thank you so much for what you do. You probably go underappreciated sometimes as being a host, but I appreciate people like you that are willing to, you know, interview others and share our journeys because, you know, That's to be cool. able to have someone like you be able to bring someone like me on to maybe resonate with someone um, out there. I really, really appreciate 
what Absolutely. you need to do. So thank you so much. No, thank you. Don't mention it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Um, and guys, thanks for listening. And uh, until next time. <laughs>